0: Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 Ephesians 6:18 With all prayer and petition pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints Ephesians 6.18 is about prayer, and that's what I want to speak about tonight. But more specifically, let me just give you the main point before I even start uh, the message. That way you can have a mindset of where we're going and why it matters. Um, I want to speak to you about straying and praying, or you could say um, straying friends and praying friends. The main point is this, that people that are Christians can be led astray and other Christians must pray for them, that they not fall away and that they stay strong in the Lord, that they come back to the Lord, that they be rescued out of whatever problem, whatever struggle it is. So it's an exhortation tonight to pray for those that are going astray. We're praying for those that we're concerned about. Let's look at the verse again. Ephesians 6.18 With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, what? What, With what in view? Be on the alert. There's a danger. With all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Now, I've just taken out this passage um, so we can focus on it. But where is the bigger context of the verse It's in Ephesians 6, which he talks about putting on the armor of God. And why do you have to put on the armor of God? Because there's great danger. What what danger? The devil and the, the spiritual powers of darkness come against the church. Not just against the lost. They already have the lost. But we've been set free from Satan. We've been brought out of Egypt. But the devil comes after us. Just like when they left Egypt, Pharaoh went after them. And even when they made it past Pharaoh, the Amalekites came after them. And one attack after another. And the Christian life is a battle. This life, I've heard it said, is not a playground. It's a battleground. And so we have to remember that. And tonight I want to give an exhortation to the Christians call to pray for one another And specifically to pray for those that we see begin to slip and fall and struggle. Those that are in a dangerous position. And this is real. I'm not talking about praying for yourself. I'm not talking about praying for the lost. I'm not talking about praying for your church. I'm specifically talking about praying for brothers or sisters that you see start to go astray. You start to see warning signs. You start to see the enemy coming against them in one way or another. And we are called not only to put on the armor, have the shield, have the sword, but at the end of the list, after he says it all about preparation for ourselves, we're given an exhortation to pray. And they apparently used to, call, they used to include this in the list of the armor of God, I guess. They called it all prayer. You know, you've got the, the, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the, the gospel, the preparation of the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit. You've got all these equipment. And then besides all of these things, there's also all prayer. And why do they call it that? Well, look at verse 18. This is kind of interesting. With all prayer, pray at all times, with all perseverance for all the saints. All prayer, all times, all perseverance for all the saints. Pray, 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 pray. That's what he's saying. And so tonight we're going to talk about prayer, but specifically praying for other people. Think about it like this. We're in a battle, we're in a war. You've got to be equipped, you've got to have the armor, you've got to be ready. Not necessarily for today, but he says be ready, uh, let's look at the verse, verse 13, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. Put on the armor now, prepare yourself now, so that when the evil day comes, maybe a week later, maybe a year later, but when the evil day comes, you'll be ready. You'll be ready for it. And you're praying. You've been praying already. And you're going to keep praying. And you're on the alert in your prayers. Because evil days come. I made this comment at the Bible study. But it's very true. Worth repeating. Not all days are the same. Some days are more evil than others. And there are stronger attacks of the devil. And we have to be on the lookout for them. We don't want to get hit from the side. And we're not just watching ourselves. That's necessary. Take heed to yourself. Examine yourself. We pray for our own souls. We keep ourselves in the love of God. But we have to pray for one another. And that's the burden of verse 18. Praying for all the saints. So we're praying for others. Just like in the battlefield, if there was a soldier and he sees one of his teammates pinned down under fire... He doesn't leave them behind. He covers him so he can get out of there. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So first, let's consider this phrase. I'm going to take these out of order. But in verse 18, be on the alert. How do we pray? We pray on the alert. What is this referring to? This is talking about the danger. There's a reason to pray. There's a reason for alarm. There's a reason to stay up and to keep watch. There's a danger out there. The Bible says that that the devil is a roaring lion seeking to devour people. Lions, sometimes they walk around in the open, but many times they slink around in the shadows. And they're watching which one's in the flock they can go after. Have you ever seen that? Those videos, those Discovery Channel things, the lions or the tigers or the cheetahs, they wait and they watch the whole herd and they're looking for the little one. They're looking for the sick one and they will go after it. they target it. And the Bible says the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for people in this church to cause to fall away, to cause to fall into sin, to lose their grip, to stop holding fast to the head, which is Christ. The devil will attack Christians. There are attacks of the devil. There are schemes of the devil. There are temptations of the devil. The devil can tempt. The Bible calls him the tempter. And he can come out of nowhere to an individual Christian's mind, and he can begin to put thoughts into their mind. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians and he said, I wrote to find out about you. When I could stand it no longer, I had to send to find out about you. To see if the tempter had tempted you and our work would be in vain. He knew the devil was going to try and come around and tempt the Thessalonians. And Paul was on guard. He was praying about it. And he had to know, are they still standing firm? He was concerned. The devil's a tempter. Have you ever felt temptation that you knew was not coming from inside you? It was coming from the outside. And you thought, where is this coming from? These thoughts, these suggestions, these ideas, this temptation, this circumstance. How did I even get here? It's like it's been arranged like a trap. And that's exactly what the Bible says. Be on the alert. Not just for yourself, but for others. The Bible says this. It says phrases like, if anyone sees a brother committing a sin, then you have a responsibility. The Bible says, if you see someone caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one a spirit of gentleness. If anyone strays from the truth, and then it gives the responsibility for the Christian right next to them. And this is the truth, that the Bible gives a calling and a responsibility for every child of God to watch out for their brothers and sisters, whether they be committing a sin and you see it, whether they be caught in a sin, whether they be straying from the truth. There's a little bit different shades of the way they talk about this. Um, It's not always so flagrant. Sometimes it's a little more subtle. Sometimes it's just a warning. You just see something that... Just doesn't seem right. Why is it the last three times I've been around that person, I've not felt good about this situation? And sometimes it's not so clear and so flagrant, but you get a sense that the person's in trouble. And the Bible has something to say to you about your responsibility toward them. Now, we could talk about confronting them, rebuking them, disciplining them, all these different things. But tonight, what God has put on my heart to share with you is your obligation to pray for them. It's not not an option just to be passive about what's going on in the church, what's going on in your friend's life. You have to pray. If you see someone that you're not real encouraged, I'm just not real encouraged about what's going on in their life. Well, are you praying for them? Are you praying about that very thing? The scripture says we must pray. And it also says this, that sometimes it can be like a person is in a cloud or in a fog. They don't even realize what's going on in their life. They're totally oblivious. If you ask them, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. What's God teaching you? Oh, and they can go on and on. They don't even realize the area of their life in which they're falling, fa- falling short. And I like the way um, uh, Ryan said this one time. I thought it was a really good way to put it. If you see an airplane fly into a cloud, from the outside you watch the plane. It flies into the cloud, you know exactly what happened. The plane's in the clouds. That's simple. But if you're inside the airplane and suddenly you look out the window and it's just white, What's that? It's just blank. Where am I? Where are we? You're totally oblivious. What just happened? Well, you just flew into a cloud. But if you're in the plane, you don't realize that. And in the same way, many times, when someone is the person that's in the midst of the situation, they have no idea. They don't really understand the problem. They certainly don't know the way out. Maybe Maybe it happened gradually. You know, like when you drive into the fog kind of gradually gets thicker. And at first, it doesn't seem like it's that bad. And before you know it, you can't see anything. You can't see even in front of your car. And in the same way in the Christian life, it helps to have somebody from the outside watching that that person, watching their life. Yeah. And I don't know how many times you guys have experienced this, but many times it's true when someone comes to you for advice. They come to you for advice or they you talk to them about a situation And it's like crystal clear. What are you doing? This is totally the wrong situation. You shouldn't be doing this. They have no idea because they're in the midst of it. They're in the midst of the situation. So it's our responsibility. Sometimes a person can be in such darkness and sorrow. They don't even have strength themselves to pray as they should. Um, in the Gospels it says that when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord told the three to keep watch and pray. But it says He found them sleeping from sorrow. And sometimes that's the way it is. In the Christian life, you get so beat down. You're so hit by the trials. You can't hardly pray for yourself. You need other people to pray for you. And if you were in that situation, if you know what that's like to be the one going through great trials... What a comfort it is when other people pray for you. Well, tonight, I'm asking you to pray for other people that are in the midst of great trials and attacks, even people that begin to stray. We must be on the alert. There's a spiritual battle. In Kirksville, right now, there's a battle for souls going on all the time. When people pray when people witness, when people do good works of love, they're speaking of Christ, sharing the truth and love, the kingdom of God is moving forward. The devil has many ways of advancing his agenda as well, making his attacks. In Kirksville, there's a battle for souls. In this church, there's a battle for souls. And let me say this, the Bible says that people fall away from the faith. Did you know that? Is that possible? Can someone fall away from the faith? The Bible says people fall away from the faith. Is it serious? It's very serious. What happens if we shrink back? Hebrews says, The righteous man, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We don't want to see anyone shrinking back. Let us fear if it seems that anyone is coming short of the promise of eternal life, of taking hold of the inheritance. It's not a small thing if someone starts to fall away. That's huge. That's their soul that's on the line. So when we watch people, if someone's struggling, we ought to pray for them like it matters because it does. People fall away. Now let's look at the next phrase, verse 18. Closer to the beginning, he says, Pray at all times. Pray at all times. The fact of falling away is not meant to be an excuse or is not meant to release us from our duty to pray. What do I mean? If we know that the Bible does say someone can shrink back, someone can fall away, someone can fall from grace, they can deny the master that bought them, they can turn back to the world and be enslaved all over again. If we know that the Bible says that, that's not to teach us. We're not supposed to draw from that. Oh, well, then that just happens. And if it happened to so-and-so, man, that's too bad, you know. But yeah, the Bible says it's going to happen. We're not supposed to take that and use it as an excuse to not do anything about it. To just throw off our responsibility and say, yep, it's true. The Bible said, you know, in the last time there'd be mockers and deceivers, deceiving many and leading many people astray. And here it is, it's happening even in our church. And the Bible's true. God said it would happen. We ought to be very careful. We, we ought to give no ground to prayerlessness in our life. Make no excuse. Don't use the truth that God has shown us, the warning and the danger, just to give up. It's not like some people, you know, they work at a company. They're an employee. And the company's not doing too well. Big company. Maybe slowly it's going bankrupt or whatever. And they're not really worried about the company. Yeah, this is, I mean, I I just, I work here. I go home. They're worried about their family. But if the company goes out, no big deal. I'll find another job. I'll get moved to a different position. Such and such company will buy us out or whatever. They're not really... In the Bible, a church, a group of believers is like a family. It's like one of your family members is getting sick and slowly dying. It's something you care about. Something you can't bear to watch happen. Paul had such a love for his converts. Did you ever notice that? He would write his letters to them. And he would say things like, I don't write this to condemn you because I have you in my heart. We have you in our heart to live together and die together. He he if someone in the church was dying, he was dying. If someone in the church was burdened, he was burdened. If someone in the church was weeping, he was weeping. And when he saw people, when he saw the devil begin to pull people astray, he prayed He listed above all of His persecutions His deep concern for the church. The daily burden of the church. And I want to bring this tonight as an exhortation to pray for one another. Pray for those that are getting in trouble. Pray for those who are not doing well spiritually. This is like our family. The affection of Christ Jesus. Jesus loved His own. He loved them. He did everything to make sure they wouldn't fall away. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Think of it like this. Um, I've heard it said before that prayer is the key that opens the door in the morning. And prayer is the bolt that locks the door at night to keep out the adversary, to keep out the enemy. So here it says, pray at all times. Part of what that means is, we pray before the problems come up. We pray in general. We just pray for the people that are around us in the church. Pray at all times with all perseverance for all the saints. We're praying for one another that things will go well, that we'll continue on, that will be strong. And that's just general prayer. It's like locking the bolt on the door so nothing bad comes in in the night. But sometimes the thief comes in the window or whatever. S- situations arise where you have been praying. But now it's getting really bad. Or maybe you've been neglecting to pray and it's getting really bad in a person's life. And it's at that time, especially in the evil day, we have to pray. It's not just our prayer life in general. One person said our prayer life in general is like our pulse. You can see if someone's alive or not. Many people go to church. Many people listen to christian music on the radio it's amazing how many people listen to christian music on the radio or have little plaques on their desk but let's be honest how many people really pray and really know god in prayer well every true christian really prays they're taught by god how to pray you can't teach another person how to pray you can teach him from the bible but you can't teach another person how to pray it's interesting um one thing a brother told me one time, he said about Jeremiah 31, it says that you'll not teach each man, his brother and his neighbor, saying, know the Lord. You can't do that. They'll all know me. You can't. If you try to tell someone, know the Lord, you try to teach them these intimate things about prayer, you're not going to get anywhere. Only the Holy Spirit can really teach someone and draw someone close to God, teach them how to pray. Why do I bring this up? Prayer, it is a sense, in a sense, a pulse on the Christian life. It is one way that we can see, wait a minute, this person's alive. They're, re- they're really praying. But specifically, when we pray for other people that are in desperate and hard situations, going through great trials and under real attack of the enemy, it shows our love. It shows our love. If, you, if we can just stand to let people go through the trial and not back them up and not bear their burdens... We're not walking as Christ walked. We don't know Christ's love. Christ bore the burdens of His people. And if He lives in us, we do the same thing in prayer. I'm trying to stir you up to pray for one another. And especially to pray for those that have begun to stray. Um. Let's turn to this passage. Let's look at a man, a very encouraging brother, named Epaphras in the book of Colossians. What's so great about Epaphras? Well, I hope we can all be like him and imitate him. Colossians 4.12 Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings. Always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern, or literally, or another way to translate it, much toil, great pain. A deep concern, much toil, great pain for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Here was a brother... He loved these other brothers and sisters. And the Apostle Paul said, when I look at him, he says, I can testify, this guy prays for the saints. He's always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. And he has a deep concern for you. And that's what we ought to have, a deep concern for one another, to be like Epaphras. When was the last time that in prayer day after day you felt a deep concern for another brother or another sister that had begun to stray when was the last time that your heart was moved that your heart was pained when when you when you would pray it was painful to pray it was hard to pray it was pressing on your mind it was weighing on your heart that's real prayer When you begin to pray for somebody that's straying, it's not just a lighthearted thing like, oh Lord, please bless so and so and please help them. It's not that way. Epaphras, his prayer was like labor. It was like you would sweat when you pray. You would feel the pain when you prayed. Your heart was touched. Your heart was in it because you love them. You don't want to see them fall away. You know what the Bible says about falling away. And it happens, and you don't want to see that for them. So we ought to be devoted and pray at all times, like Epaphras. It says of him, he is always laboring earnestly in his prayers. We don't just pray when it's convenient. We don't just pray when there's a prayer meeting. We don't just pray um, in front of other people. To pray at all times. To have a prayer life for other people when they are struggling day after day. Continuously we are praying for them until that situation gets better. Until they're restored out of that. If we stop praying before it gets better, what are we saying? If they're still going down, if they're still straying, what do we say if we just say, Well, I prayed. I prayed. I did my part. From here on out, they're on their own. You know, it is true, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time to search and there's a time to give up as lost. But I want to to plead with you not to use that verse lightly when you're talking about another person's soul. If you're giving up as lost your job, okay, there's a time to try and get the job, there's a time to give it up as lost. If it's something physical, if it's monetary... If it's something external, but when you're talking about the soul of another person, how much patience should you have? How much perseverance should you have? How often should you pray? If this is really your brother or sister in Christ whom you love, whom God has knit your heart together with, how could you be prayerless in their time of need? Think about it like this: I've never been in battle. Some of you have been in wars, have been in battles. Vietnam. The only reason why I know anything about this is because I used to play paintball. And uh, we had a team. We would go to tournaments. We were pretty good. We would win. And um, what would happen was we learned how to do this. If I would go out and I would run ahead of everybody else, what would happen? All the fire would come at me because I'm the closest. And they would see me and shoot at me. Now what happens is if you, let's say this is a bunker. If you get behind a bunker And one person is shooting at you. No big deal. You can go around the other side. You can shoot at somebody else. We know what's really bad? When one guy's shooting from this direction, another guy's shooting from this direction. Now you've got a problem. If you go out either side, people are waiting for you. They're gunning for you. So you're trapped. And sometimes you get three or four people shooting at you at once. And you cannot move. If you move, you're dead. The only way in that kind of scenario, the only way is if others come up from behind you and they start shooting and spreading the field with cover fire and then you can retreat. Otherwise, you're gone. (laughs) That's just kind of the way that's almost like the rule of the game. And it's the same way in the Christian life. Sometimes opposition from the devil, from the world, from circumstances or whatever It gets so hard for Christians, a certain Christian in a certain trial. If someone doesn't pray for them, they're going to be taken down. We have to pray. That's the way out. That's the way of escape that God provides. Um, A brother told me recently in an email, he said, my sister, it looks like my sister, my younger sister is starting to fall away. And he said, I don't know how to explain it. I cannot understand this. It, was, it has been so encouraging for ten years. And now it seems like she's a different person. And she's going backward. And he said, there is not an hour in the day it does not grieve my heart. He's feeling it right now for his sister. He's praying earnestly for his sister. This is his blood sister. But they've had fellowship in the Lord for ten years. And he's feeling it. And he's praying at all times. He said there's not an hour in the day that doesn't go by. That I'm not grieved in my heart. He's praying at all times for her. At all times. With all perseverance. So we don't give up. And we don't leave people behind. Mm -hmm. We pray. How wrong is it if we... Share about someone's needs and someone's bad situation. But we don't pray for them. We talk to others about, oh, look at what's happening in so-and-so's life. But then we walk away and we don't pray for them. That's hypocrisy. It's like gossip. You're, you talk about it, but you don't pray about it. How bad is it when we rebuke someone? We go and confront someone. Maybe we didn't even really spend time seeking the Lord about it. We just It just kind of came out. Brother, you're doing this and you ought to be doing this. And you just set them straight. And you walk away and you don't even pray for them. You're not following up with them. You're not praying for them. No resolution in the situation. You just threw a rebuke on them. It's hypocrisy. It's like you're judging them. We don't want to fall into that. It's right to share prayer needs it can be right to rebuke someone confront someone but if you you must have prayer it's so vital it's like it's the source of life in the whole thing to try and approach someone when you haven't prayed when you aren't even really praying and rebuke them in the power of the flesh is foolishness it'll make the problem worse we have to pray. And that's why Paul says, let you who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, looking also to yourself that you won't be tempted. There's there's a way to approach someone. First of all, you have to be spiritual. Come to find out, I don't think that refers to everybody in a church. You who are spiritual. Because sometimes you have people that they're living in a shallow way. They're living almost like mere men. Carnal, I couldn't talk to you as if you were spiritual. Well, that kind of a person, they don't need to go around rebuking everybody. They've got enough logs in their own eyes, they need to worry about that. But there is a time when God has worked in our life, we are praying in the Holy Spirit. It is what we're doing, it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. You who are spiritual, restore such a one. So this is a spiritual activity. We cannot do this without the help of God. All right, the next phrase, verse eighteen. And then we can go back to uh, Ephesians, Ephesians six eighteen. The next phrase, all the saints, all the saints. He says, be on the alert. Pray at all times. For all the saints. Now this is important. If I didn't say this, we could really misunderstand, I think, what Paul is saying. And uh, what God would have us to do. What does he mean? Who are we to pray for? Again, I'm not saying, tonight I'm not talking about praying for the lost. I'm not talking about praying for yourself. Here, it's all the saints. Now first, let me say this. The kind of prayer that I'm talking about, when you see a brother committing a sin, when you see a brother caught in a sin, when you see one from our midst, one from among you, begin to stray, this is talking about a true Christian. My burden tonight is this. I'm not talking about praying for people that are unconverted, pretending to be Christians. I'm talking about true believers We can't assume because someone is a true Christian because they have good signs in their life that for them we don't need to pray. And really we just pray for the people that we think aren't even converted anyways. No, he says pray for all the saints. And saints, I mean true saints, will come under deep trials and deep temptations and deep attacks. The devil tries to lead astray whom? Even the elect. Now let's turn over to 1 John chapter 5 verse 16 and I hope to shed some light as I understand this passage. You don't have to agree with me on what the passage means. It's a confusing passage, but let's look at it. 1 John 5:16. Cuz this is the same kind of thing and this is the word of God. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, He shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. Amen. (laughs) You're thinking, what does that mean? What am I saying amen to? This verse sometimes is very confusing. What does it mean? If someone commits a sin leading to death, don't pray for him. But if they're committing a sin not leading to death, then you can pray for them, this brother, and God, he says, ask, and God will give life to the one committing this sin not leading to death. Now let me ask a question, a simple question. What's a sin leading to death and what's a sin not leading to death? Does some sins kill and some sins don't kill? Some sins are okay. They don't kill. Oh, those sins are fine. Is that what he's saying? No, because that's the one he says pray for. The one committing the sin that doesn't kill, pray for them. And if you pray for them, God will restore that brother. God will give life to that brother. And then he says, there is a sin that kills. Don't pray for that. Don't make requests about that. What is he saying? Well, I'll give my best shot. I think what he's saying is this. We're praying for true Christians. The whole context of the book of 1 John, what leads to death and what doesn't lead to death, who has life and who doesn't have life, comes down to this thing of who's really born again. And in fact, in this very context, we see that same thing. If you keep reading, we know that no one who is born of God sins. But he who is born of God keeps him and the evil one does not touch him. I think what he's saying is this. You can see when a true Christian all other signs in their life have been good, have been encouraging but now they have started committing a sin. But he says you can pray and make requests for that. You can ask God and God will give life to them. The only... what. Isn't the wages of sin death? Yes, the wages of sin is death. But for a Christian, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. The Christian is the only person that can commit a sin and it doesn't kill them. Why? Because Christ took our curse for us. The curse is gone. The law is gone. That whole sting of death and of the law and of sin is gone. That's the person we ought to pray for. Here he calls them a brother and he gives an assurance. You ask God, you'll get your answer to prayer. Ask God. You see someone else in sin. They're a true Christian. You have good, like Paul, you say, I'm convinced of better things concerning them. I'm going to pray and I know God's going to answer my prayer. He's going to pull them through because they're a true child of God. We pray for true believers, and in this specific way that I'm talking about tonight, I'm only talking about those that we sense really are born again. If you sense someone is not a Christian, if they're just, like uh, Titus says, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, don't pray for the little sins in their life. They're not going to get any better. They've got a bigger problem. They're lost. You pray for their soul. You don't pray about their sins. You don't pray, Lord, deliver them from alcohol. Or, Lord, clean up their mouth. Or, Lord, uh, you know, cause them to stop running around with that bad girlfriend or whatever. They're lost. Don't pray about those things. Don't make requests about those things. They've got a bigger problem. They're on their way to destruction. You minister to them the gospel. You don't pick out little sins in their life. It's like Jesus said, you don't give a pearl to the swine. You don't give what's holy to dogs. Well, why don't you do that? What is he talking about? In the context, that's a rebuke in Matthew 7. If you read Matthew 7, what is the pearl you don't give to a swine? It's a rebuke. He just got done talking about rebuking your brother, but he says, but don't give pearls to swine. You don't go around rebuking unbelievers. You preach the gospel to them. You rebuke an unbeliever, you know what's going to happen? They're going to turn and tear you to pieces. Isn't that exactly right? Have you ever run into that? And I'm saying in the same way, you don't you don't take out a little sin in their life and start praying for it. And Christian parents especially need to listen to this point, because sometimes Christian parents in their mind, they start to treat their unconverted children like they're Christians and they start to try and straighten out little things in their life. And the fact is, that's not going to work. I'm not saying you can't be concerned in a general way. I'm not saying that it's always wrong to give advice. But what I'm saying is, keep the main thing the main thing. They need to be saved. We're not going around picking apart their life. And I believe here, we have a promise in the Bible for true brothers, when they start committing a sin, when they get caught up in a sin, and snared in a sin, and they're sinning, we ask God, And he will give them life. It doesn't say he may give them life. Second Timothy. Talking about unbelievers. And those that oppose. He says be patient with them. Just teach them. Be gentle with them. Keep trying. Because God may grant them repentance. But here he says he will. For him. Give life. To those who commit the sin. It's not unto death. There's a better hope for them. We have great Great reason to pray for them in faith. The second thing I would say about all the saints. We're praying for all the saints. First, true believers. Um, And so we could focus on that word saints. All the saints. But now I would focus on the word all. All the saints. We pray for all the saints. What's the point in this? Jesus said in Matthew 18, he said, It is not the will of your father who is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. You, it is your responsibility to pray for all the saints, all of those that love Christ, all of those that know the Lord, all of those that are our brothers and sisters. We pray for them all. It's not okay to say, well, the 99 are here. One went stray. No, Jesus said, we go after the one that strays. It's, do you want to know, is it the will of God that this person get restored? Well, Jesus said, it is not the will of your father that even the least, even one of the least of your brethren should perish. One of his sheep. And that's why when we have someone in our heart to live together and to die together, when we're convinced of better things for a person, when we we've seen them walk with God. And yet now they're in they're in dire straits. They're getting attacked. They're getting beat up. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if they're our close friend, if they're kind of distant, if they're somebody we spend a lot of time with or a little time with. If they're near us, if we know them, if they're in our church, the call of God is that we pray, we be on the alert and be praying for all of the saints. It's not good if a church doesn't know one another, doesn't have fellowship with one another, isn't aware enough to know who to pray for, who's going through a hard time. So let me ask you, right now in the church, who's going through a hard time do you know anybody i know some people i and i'm not even here i'm overseas who's going through a hard time there ought to be people come to your mind right now so and so is really getting pounded hard and i got to pray for them especially i got to be on the alert oh i see something happening i'm going to pr- i'm going to direct more of my prayer toward them they need it now this is amazing i experienced this when I was overseas, there was another brother, and I just praised God for him. He was this other Presbyterian missionary, single guy. And one time, he was doing real bad. And I was praying for him like crazy. And God restored him. And shortly thereafter, I was doing real bad. And I wrote him, I said, brother, you've got to pray. And he started praying for me like crazy. And God restored me. Different days for different people evil days that come upon us and we need prayer from one another and God will hear and answer those prayers. This is my next point or you could say um, a question. Does this work? Will this work? Does prayer work? Does God answer prayer? Well, we already read one promise. 1 John 5.16 If you ask God will give life for him. If you ask, God will give life for him. Praying for true believers, praying for your brothers and sisters of Christ works. It's the will of God. You don't have to have a question in your mind about it. He's promised. What's another promise? Let's look at this one. James chapter 5. Interesting. 1 John 5.16. James 5.16. We're just going to read to the end of the chapter. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Here comes the promise. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Ask and God will give life for him. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth, the straying one, strays from the t- truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So, the, righteous prayer, the, prayer of a, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. In the context of what? In the context of pray for one another that you may be healed, confessing your sins to one another. In the context of if anyone strays from the truth, bring him back restore him you'll save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins if we pray early and, and and god hastens to answer our prayer it will save them from a multitude of sins down the road the problems only get bigger over the time over time when the devil begins to get a foothold in a person's life he just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing taking more and more ground pray for them that it would be cut off at the root And that there would be healing. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Are you a righteous man? Your prayer is effective? Can you accomplish much in prayer? You say, no, Elijah was a righteous man. I'm not a righteous man. Elijah was a prophet. He prayed and the sky didn't rain. And then he prayed and then it did rain. It says in here, he was a man with a nature like ours. I mean, how much more is the Bible trying to spell it out? How clearer could it get? He's just like us. Elijah was just like us. The least in the new covenant is greater than John the Baptist, who was greater than Elijah. <laughs> he was a. He had a nature like ours. God is not looking for giants and supermen, superwomen in the faith. People with a nature like ours. Yeah, you, know, you need to be saved. You need to have a new heart. If you're lost. You, I know some lost people, they pray for other people. What are you doing? Pray for your own soul. Worry about yourself first. But if you're a Christian, your prayers have power with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And they can stop the heaven and they can open the heaven. And sometimes that's what we pray. When someone falls into sin, we just pray, Lord, just seal up the sky and make their life miserable until they repent. Just dry it up. Hedge up their way with thorns. You pray that way. I remember when I was um, in youth group, I was a new Christian. I had never really... There was a few Christians in our early church that, I mean, were exemplary. And I think were real. And I was generally encouraged by them. And one of the time, I heard one of these men, this older man. He was praying for this kid named Brian. And Brian was far from God, and we all knew it. And um, he was praying in his prayer, and he said, Lord. He said, Brian. And he was just praying with tears. I mean, this was... This seemed genuine to me. He was saying, Lord, he was saying, Brian is just running from you. He said, God, I just pray you just trip him, make him fall on his face. And I thought, (laughs) I had never heard anybody pray that way because I was a new Christian. I didn't know Christians prayed that way. Just trip and make him fall flat on his face. But I thought in my mind, wow, that's really spiritual. He loves Brian. I knew he loved Brian. And that's why he was praying that. And we can pray, God, just seal up the sky. Just send the famine and send the drought and send the storm until, like Jonah, they repent. We pray that God would shake people up. Sometimes that's what it takes. We're not just saying, we're just go around encouraging everybody. The Bible says, admonish the unruly. If someone's straying into sin, it's a serious matter. And you can pray serious, God, you have got to stop them. I remember I heard about, um, I think it was Keith McLeod. You guys know better than I would. But that his mother started praying. He was lost. But his mother started praying, Lord, either save him or take him. Take his life. I cannot stand to see him live as a lost person anymore. Save him. That was pretty serious prayer. And in the same way, when we see a brother or sister straying into sin, we just pray down God's hand. God, put your hand heavy upon them until they begin to fear about this sin in their life, until they begin to really make this right. Like Psalm 32, his hand was heavy upon me and my strength just withered away and dried up like the heat of summer. We can pray that. God will dry it up. We can pray for the rain. God will send the rain and bless them. We have God's promise to pray for a true believer that is starting to stray. That he will go and claim them. He will not lose one. He's not going to lose one sheep. But we have to pray. Now, I haven't said anything or I haven't said much about Jesus Christ, the Savior. Where does he fit into the picture? Uh, maybe some of you, I thought of that verse Like the Greeks that came to Philip and they said, sir, we wish to see Jesus. (laughs) That ought to be the way it is when we open the word of God. (laughs) It's like, okay, get on with it. Let's see Jesus. I heard a story um, about, I think it was an old Welsh woman. I can't remember where I heard this. Anyways, she would go, she would walk all this distance all day long to go listen to a sermon in English. She didn't even know English. She would go in there, she would sit week after week. She'd walk all day long to go to this little chapel to hear this guy preach in English. And finally, one day, the minister or somebody came up to her and started talking with this old woman. And they asked her, they said, you, you come here every week? Yeah. Well, why do you, do you, can you understand English? Nope, nope. <laughs> they asked her, why do you come to listen to a sermon in Welsh? She said, that man says the name of Jesus so many times it does my soul good. <laughs> Like she just wanted to hear the name Jesus. So, where does Jesus fit into the picture? Uh, Jesus is the great example in all of this praying for his own, praying for his sheep in time of trouble. Uh, I mentioned this at the Bible study the other night, but you have them in the boat. Jesus put them in the boat and sent them away. That was Jesus' idea. They get out there and the wind and the waves and the storm comes up and they're rowing hard and they're rowing all night and they're tired and they're distressed and they're afraid and they're full of unbelief. We know that because at the end their unbelief is revealed. (laughs) They're out there on the boat. Where's Jesus? Does anybody remember? He's up on the mountain praying. And that's exactly what it is in the Christian life. When the true believer is in the thickest trials... Where's Jesus? Sometimes you don't see him. Sometimes you ask, where is he? But he's interceding. Always watching over. Always regarding. Always caring. Always praying. Always interceding. Christ prays for us. Christ cares for us. He says, Simon, I have prayed for you. He came to one individual disciple and said, Simon... The devil's going to come after you and he's going to beat on you and ground you to powder. But I've prayed for you. Not just in the garden of Gethsemane. He had been praying for him. I've prayed for you. What? That your faith not fail. Jesus is the great example in this. Jesus, if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus, we would all fall away. You believe that? Abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing severed from the root, severed from the true vine, every branch would dry up and be cast away and burned. And maybe you've felt this in your life. You have felt, Lord, I cannot keep myself. I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to make it to the end, but I cannot keep myself. If you don't keep me, I will perish. And Jesus keeps his people Sovereignly, mysteriously, faithfully, keeps his people. He kept Simon Peter in a very dark hour. And Peter messed up and sinned. He fell into sin. He sinned three times. And he went out and wept bitterly for it. And Christians do fall into sin. And true Christians do start to stray. And true Christians do start to get beat down to where it doesn't even look like they're a Christian. But in the past, they knew... Jesus knew, these are mine. I know my own, and they know me. You're clean. He said, you're all clean. And Peter didn't fall away because Christ was praying for him. But if Christ, the guardian... You remember that verse? We just read it in passing. It just came to my mind. There in 1 John 5.18. Why is it that we don't sin? Because the one who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. If Jesus Christ did not stand between us and the devil, the devil would just tear the sheep apart. But we have a shepherd who protects the sheep. He's a good shepherd. He prays for his own. Jesus prays in John 17, and it's such a glorious passage to hear him praying for his own people. Bunyan describes it like this. In Pilgrim's Progress, you remember? There's the wall. And the wall's on fire. And it's a good fire. Wow, look at that. The wall's just burning, just Flames and then you've got a man with a bucket of water and he's just dousing the wall with the bucket of water and the splashes fire goes low and then it comes up again and no matter how much water that man pours on who's the devil the fire keeps going why well they say go look around the other side of the wall and you look on the other side there's another man he's pouring oil on the fire. And it doesn't matter how much water is being thrown on because there's a man pouring oil on in the back. And that's Christ yeah. interceding for his people, upholding our faith. He's, th- he's our great example. If you, if, you love, if you love someone, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And we lay down our lives for one another in prayer. Jesus laid down His life on the cross. He laid down His life in prayer for us. And He continually upholds us. So here's the question. If Jesus is doing it, why do we have to do it? If Jesus prays for His own, why do we have to pray when someone strays? What's your answer to the question? Aren't Jesus' prayers enough? Won't they get the job done? Jesus' prayers, are they with faith? Are they in the Spirit? Are they pleasing to God? Yes. (laughs) But the Bible says, you pray. Let me say this before I even try and give an answer. I don't even know if I want to give an answer. But the Bible says, the secret things belong to the Lord. The revealed things belong to us and our children, that we observe them, that we do them doesn't matter if you understand it or not the Bible says pray for them they're in trouble that's the revealed thing whether or not you understand secretly how that works with Jesus's prayer and your prayer that doesn't really matter the command is clear I hope it's been clear tonight in me putting this out here but I would say this that Jesus is still with us is still present is still working in the world how In one way, he's gone away. While you have the light, believe in the light. There's a day coming. Night is coming. And um, there is a sense in which Jesus said, I go away, but he says it's to your advantage that I go away. Why? Because the Holy Spirit would come. Now, this is the thing. There in Ephesians 6, it said, pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. When we pray, if it's really honoring to God, if it's really a true believer praying, As they ought to pray. It is not them praying. The Holy Spirit is praying through them. Is prompting them to pray. Is leading them to pray. Is strengthening them to pray. Is burdening them to pray. Is giving them love to pray. You ever notice that? It talks about in Romans 15. Praying. Praying for other believers. With the love of the Spirit. The Spirit motivates our love. And we pray for other people. God gets all the credit and all the glory. For true prayer. And so what I'm saying is this. That when Jesus prays for his people. He prays through his people. The Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of his Son. Jesus prays through us. Through the Holy Spirit. I don't understand it all. But I know that both of these realities are true. Christ is upholding us and interceding for us and we must pray for one another. Have you seen Jesus Christ? There are perhaps some people here that have still not found Him as lovely, that have still not treasured up God in their heart as the chief treasure in all the world. You know why you're alive? You know why God has given you birth, given you breath, Sustained you and been so good and faithful to you, you were made for His glory. Have you found the reason for life? It's God. You were made for God. Have you found who God is? Who is God? How can you know God? Where can you find God? Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ is is the Word of God. He's how we know Him, how we hear from Him. He is God revealed, God manifested in the flesh. And for those that see Jesus, they love Jesus. They don't love the world anymore. They want to see Him. They want to be like Him. And if you love Christ, this is the call for you tonight. To imitate Christ... To be like Christ in praying for brothers and sisters that begin to go astray. I'm finished now, but I just want to end with this one thought before we pray. And I want you to think about it, and I want you to apply it and take it home with you. Maybe even pray heat while you're here in the church tonight. Who are the ones that are struggling? Who are the ones that are straying? Who are the ones that are really under attack? Have you been praying for them? This is a a call to prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your holy word, which instructs us and guides us as a lamp to our feet. Lord, tonight... Lord, You have spoken about these things in a clear way and we need grace to walk with You in this. I pray, Lord, You would help us to see those that are true believers, that we are hopeful for, greatly hopeful for, that are straying and to go after them, especially in prayer. Lord, I just desire that Your people would be kept I desire that you would teach us more of this, that you would help us to love one another more. We know that loving one another is really loving you and pleasing to you and a, a sacrifice and an offering of worship to you. Help us, Lord. We don't want to fail in these things. I thank you so much, God, for those uh, people that you put in my life when I strayed. And I thank you, Lord, I just confess. Were it not for Your grace, I would fall away. I would have already by now denied the faith, pierced my soul with many griefs. And I thank You, Lord, for Your kindness to me to rescue my soul, not only to save me from sin, but to keep me from it. And I just ask You, Lord, please, would You help here in this church? Would You help us all, Lord? Help me. We want to take these promises. We want to see victories in prayer. We want to see the enemy pushed back. Help us, Father. Give us faith. Give us burdens. Give us love. And stir us up. I pray, Lord, don't let the enemy snatch away this word from any of our hearts or ears. And, Father, I just pray once again for those that don't even know anything about prayer, that are yet unsaved and have not yet surrendered to your Son. Lord, please even work in them, that they might see the beauty of Christ. Thank You for Your Son. In Jesus' name, Amen.